Welcome back to ASI Young Professionals 2020 Virtual Convention. We've just come out of some exciting workshops. Dee and Michelle, I don't know, they were, they were so good, I didn't even know I wanted to watch all of them. I know, Kyle, me too. Uh, I kind of went in and out of some different ones to see what was happening, and I'd get stuck there and get really into it and have to go check another one, and so they, they were amazing. Did you have a favorite? Did I have a favorite? My favorite was actually with Jared Thurman and Daniel Brunel. Okay. I really like that one. Okay, okay. Well, I know that probably you had a favorite. Maybe you hopped around or maybe you stayed in one. But we'd like to hear from you on what you loved about the workshops, maybe something practical that you learned. Uh, maybe it was uh, a speaker that you really enjoyed hearing. We'd love to hear your feedback. So please send us that feedback through our channels, <laughs> yes. right, which is? <laughs> well, we can get your feedback on the platform. Okay. Obviously, we can make some comments there. But also, as we mentioned this morning, you can text your feedback to 94000, so three zeros, 94,000. Okay. Text your feedback, and we've already been getting some awesome comments in about these things. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. So text that feedback. We need to hear it. Yes. Now, Michelle, uh, you know, in a few hours, sadly, I'm already feeling sad about this, the ASI Young Professionals event is going to be over. Now, we've got a power-packed afternoon, so don't go anywhere. Stay glued to your phone, glued to your computer, whatever it is. <laughs> no, we want you to stay this afternoon. But this is not the end because ASI right. continues this entire weekend. That's right. That's right. And so even though this is the day we're dedicating to young professionals, there is more amazing programming going on. And so, for instance, our speaker this evening, Mr. D. Casper, is here with us, a young professional himself. And D. He's is young, also... A, and he's professional. And he's speaking tonight. We're trying to be, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so D. is the director of CORE, an evangelism school in Pennsylvania. It's really awesome. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, D. Sure. So, yeah, I'm the director of that school of evangelism and it's a nine-month mission training program and discipleship program. So students are learning how to do literature evangelism, how to give Bible studies. We have a heavy emphasis on mental health, so helping young adults find healing from their story and how to be able to share with other people in that area of mental health. Uh, we have an overseas mission trip built into it. So it's really kind of this like nine-month power-packed experience to really help you own your faith, to find out why you believe what you believe, how to see Jesus at the heart of the Adventist message, and how to share that effectively with the world around you. So we're excited for it. We start in a couple weeks, August 16th. So, so this is this is new, right? Last year was your first year yeah. starting CORE. Yeah. I, I've seen some of your videos and such. It looks super amazing. Um, but you're going back in person this That's fall. It. We will be running full steam ahead in person and uh, we've got more students from last year and we still have room for some more. So we're, we're pretty stoked. So D, I have a question just to yeah. step back for a minute because one of the things we've been I think that's really stood out for yeah. me today is listening to people's stories. Mm. You know, we've heard from mm. a number of different young professionals already today. Y you have a story. I know we don't have time to, to sure. hear your whole story, but just in brief, man, like how does God let in your life? Because now you're, you're really an, kind of an entrepreneur in ministry. Mm -hmm. Even though you're working under the conference, you're right. starting something new. Can you just tell us maybe about like how God has led you? And, sure. And maybe just something you've learned along the way that could help encourage someone else sure. who has an idea to start a ministry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up about 30 minutes from this 3ABN World headquarters. Really? Had never heard of a Seventh-day Adventist for 21 years. Wow. 
and I found it on TV. So to be able to be sharing tonight at wow. 3ABN, Amen. it was supposed to be in Orlando, but to be right. at 3ABN is a big deal to me to kind of give back to a ministry then, and to a platform that is why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist mm. today. Amen. And went to a Bible college after a few years called Arise, kind of realized that, wait, God could actually use me in ministry. Mm. Like I, I'm an introvert, so like being in front of people, <laughs> knocking on doors just scares me to death. <laughs> And uh, as I saw God use me in ministry, I just kept taking steps and he kept opening doors and worked in an academy setting, did Bible work, and then did some media ministry. And that kind of turned into traveling and speaking and largely investing in young people, so yeah. colleges, academies. And then this opportunity came up to start a school of evangelism for the demographic that I have a big heart for. Mm. And so, yeah, about two years ago, began the work of recruitment, development, hiring, curriculum, starting from bare bones, from nothing. There, there was nothing but an idea and some funding. <laughs> and within 11 months, we had a program that was running that over the last year has changed people's lives for the better. And Amen. only God could do that Amen. because I, I couldn't do that in nine, 11 months. Now, do, is this just like for college students or who's it for? How do you get involved? So we say like the 18 to 35-ish okay. age range. I like um, the ish part because I'm ish. still in the ish. Yeah. You're still <laughs> right, in the ish. Right. I'm, I'm almost Thanks to the, the ish. ish. I'm, I'm just under. <laughs> okay. uh, and so we're, we're getting there. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we, we in that general age range, last year we had a 41-year-old student. So... Uh, but we're open. Uh, we've got a website, paconference.org forward slash core. Okay. And that's where people can find out more. We've got an exhibit on the live uh, platform that people can check out. Uh, just scroll to the very bottom. I think we're at the bottom area there. And um, yeah, so we're, we're stoked for it. Okay, paconference.org forward slash core, C-O-R-E. Uh -huh. so if you guys want to find out more, maybe you want to become, maybe you want to go there this fall. They've got some spots. Yeah. So paconference.org forward slash core and find out more. Now, Dee, before we go to our next segment, I have one more question for you. If you could say one thing to a young professional who's watching today, maybe they're, maybe they're struggling with something, or maybe, they're just, maybe they have an idea and they just don't know how to get off the ground, what would that one thing be if you were to say one thing today? I would say the church is safer than maybe you think it is, that there are more opportunities in the church than maybe you're aware of. Um, I'm a young person in my early 30s, I guess almost mid-30s, and... Uh, the church has been very supportive of me in each level that I've been involved as a Bible worker, working in academies and other things. And there is room for young adults in the Adventist church. We desperately need you. There are gifts and talents and ideas and energy that you bring to the table that many people around you could not. Amen. And uh, the sooner that we're able to employ those gifts and talents that God has given you and to cultivate them by taking those risks and just making those, those first steps, uh, what I've found is as an introvert who's scared to death of doing stuff like this, when I just took one step, like the, the work that I had to do in ministry, there's a lot. And I, I would feel like I would have a mile's worth of walking to do. But if I just took one step, somehow I was a mile down the road. Um, every time I trusted God with one decision, I was further down the road than I should have been. And by just trusting him step by step, we ended up in a place, and I've ended up in a place that I never thought I would be. Wow. I've seen that too, Dee. I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared that yeah, because amen. I know for me too, sometimes those first small decisions were actually the hardest ones. Mm -hmm. And then God leads and, and things go on and, and it gets bigger, but it starts uh, with using what we have. That's yeah. right. Like what, what are the small things we can move yes. forward in for God? That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Dee. I'm so glad you could join us here yeah. uh, for a few minutes. And again, he's speaking tonight, so you guys don't want to miss that. Tonight at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Central, you want to hear Dee's message um, as a part of the ASI convention. Well, 
we have now another speaker yes. for our ASIYP conference. And this is a, an individual that also took that first step. Mm -hmm. You know, he had some challenges that he had to go through mm -hmm. and he decided to take the risk and one step at a time and God has blessed him tremendously. And that is our friend, Mr. G.W. Chu. Now, you know, I can't think of a better name for a chef. Than <laughs> that's I actually mean, his name. That's actually yeah. his name. I mean, how providential is that? So his AKA, his name, we call him Chef Chu. He is a vegan food innovator and he's been a restaurateur for about 15 years. Um, his mission is to change lives, you guessed it, one Chu at a time. And to bring holistic solutions to urban communities. I've actually been to his restaurant in Oakland. Wow, Have you been there? It's delicious. Isn't it delicious? Yes. I couldn't, I, I, I wish I had more room to keep eating more. Vegan soul food. I'm telling you. So he's developed his own line of plant protein. And if you've not tried it, you definitely want to try it. You'll want to try it after you hear him speak. Um, entitled, you guessed it, Better Chew. Oh, wow. Very creative. <laughs> which helps meat eaters transition into a vegan lifestyle. So Better Chew. He recently founded the Veg Hub restaurant, which is what we were just talking about, in the San Francisco area. It's a social enterprise that delivers delicious vegan plant-based food and free cooking classes to the local community. And uh, Chef Chu has his own cooking show as well, and uh, it's called Chu's Challenge. And he loves to share, most of all, the good news of health, but even more than that, he loves to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Chef Chu, thank you for joining us today for ASI Young Professionals. We're looking forward to what you have to share. Last year, Tofurky made $14 million in revenue. Impossible Meat, $5 billion is worth $5 billion now. Beyond Meat is worth $10 billion. What a great time it is to be in the vegan food industry. Today, I'm proud to introduce to you our very own Chef Chu, founder of Something Better Foods, and most importantly, a product of the Adventist Church. Many people know him as this successful businessman who's taken his products into Whole Foods across the US, but I wanna take this opportunity to take you behind the scenes. Chef Chiu, thank you so much for being with us, man. Hey, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and a privilege to be here, man. I'm very grateful to be a part of this conversation. So yeah, it's a good, so hello, hello, man, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Chef Chiu, you know, everybody knows that you're a successful businessman now, but hey, think about the past for a little bit. We're gonna dive into your origin story. Share with me, how did you, how did you do all this? You know, what, bring me back to when you were a kid. Did you always knew that you're going to be a chef? Not at all, man. You know, I always start my story, man. I'm actually a miracle story, man. Um, believe it or not, I was actually adopted at birth. Um, my father and my mother, um, my biological parents, for some reason, was not able to carry me and not able to keep me, man. Um, so at three weeks old, I was adopted into a family that had the last name Chu. Um, so, you know, crazy enough, growing up, I didn't think about being a chef, but I was born into this family that had the last name Chu. Uh, which obviously becomes a big part of my story as I get older. But the family that I was, you know, that I was adopted into, man, um, you know, my family, my, my father, my adopted father, man, was actually a sharecropper uh, most of his life and had a really tough upbringing. Um, amazing story, man, success story for him. Uh, but, you know, reality is like my family, you know, I grew up African-American family. Um, we ate a lot of soul food, uh, so a very heavy meat-centered diet you know a lot of carbs and cheese and all of that kind of stuff so i grew up eating a lot of fried chicken and ribs ate squirrel ate rabbit 
I like I always tell you about yeah, squirrel, man. I, and I and I literally missed possum by ten years, man. I was I was like I was fortunate to miss possum by ten years. Wow. So that was pretty wow. cool, man. I, I didn't get to eat possum, so I thank God <laughs> for that. Um, but this heavy this heavy meat eating lifestyle, man. You know, I saw it at a very young age. Many of my family members started having a lot of lifestyle diseases: heart disease, diabetes, cancers. And at a young age, in their forties, um, early fifties, some of them died. Um, the interesting thing was that my mother's side of the family was actually seven Adventist. Hmm. Um, so at the same time, when I was, you know, grew up eating all this type, this different types of meat, my mother's side of the family were were vegetarians, and I began to go to church with them when I was about third grade, and so I got exposed to a lot of vegetarian meats. So all the, you know, old school veggie meats and the cans, you know, the Wham and the Big Franks and you know the Ready Burger and the Tuno and you know the scallops and all of that. Man, I grew up eating all that stuff, you know, on, on Sabbaths. You know, which I, I wasn't a Sabbath keeper. I didn't really go to church, and but I didn't follow it. But I went to church, but I didn't really keep the Sabbath. But I was every Sabbath that when I went to church, I used to love to go to church because of the food. And so, again, I had this experience of eating a lot of meat with my family, but also on Sabbaths, enjoying vegetarian food. Um, so I grew up again, man, it's in a family that we ate a lot of great food, a lot of good food. But again, on my father's side of the family, premature death just took a really big toll on my family's life. Um, interesting enough, as I got older, I first was convicted. I became um, stopped eating pork um, and shellfish at the age of like 12. Um, and eventually, uh, when I was 18 years old, I actually went vegetarian and then three months later went vegan, man. Wow. Uh, so that was pretty crazy. This is like 2001. So you're talking about literally almost 20 years ago, being a vegan, a vegetarian wasn't the hardest thing, but a vegan in 2001 was pretty difficult. Hmm. Um, you know, there's obviously there wasn't any Beyond Meats and Impossibles and, you know, you didn't have soy milk wasn't even invented. Well, it existed, but it wasn't really a, 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 you know, a commercialized product at that point. So, you know, you're talking about almost nothing on the market, no vegan cheeses on the market. And so a lot of stuff was like old school cookbooks that I got hmm. from the Adventist church that I started looking at. But sadly to say, man, most of the vegan food I taste tasted like dog food. It was horrible, man. <laughs> so, you know. Um, so what was, inspired you? What, what inspired you to become a, a, a bit? What was that? I know that your your family was dealing with health issues and so forth. But what caused you to wake up one day and say, hey, I'm really going to take this journey? And then because of the lack of substitutions out there, what, what did you do? Yeah, I mean, you know, so obviously, man, a lot of us inspired by the, you know, by our, our faith, faith belief, man, our faith, this is our perspective on health and vegetarianism and even plant-based. Um, you know, as I read, you know, a lot of our earlier writings in our church, you know, it got it said a lot about, you know, plant-based eating, man. So I got super excited about it. Um, probably got a little, probably got a little too excited to the point where I was probably a little fanatic. <laughs> so, you know, took it to, took it to the extreme in my earlier days. Uh, but I got super excited, man. It's about eating plant-based, but for me, man, I, I was a guy that ate fried chicken like every day. Um, so, you know, I was missing my fried chicken, man. And so as I was missing it, I wanted to actually create, you know, some products and foods that I was familiar with. Um, so early in my, you know, my vegan days, man, I mean, it started out eating spaghetti and, you know, you know, I used to uh, top of ramen and, you know, a lot of noodles and rice and, and, and beans and stuff like that. But eventually, man, that got pretty boring. And uh, I got really excited about just going into the kitchen and just being creative. And mm. uh, and I kind of started out like not really, since vegan was so different, 
Um, the, you know, the recipes wasn't that great. So I wasn't afraid to break the rules because it's like the recipes that existed were like, they didn't taste the greatest. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and put my own spin on it. So I was like, you can my only mindset, improve, right? You can only improve it. Exactly. So there's no reason to try to get stuck in the box or stuck in the can. Like I said, Adventist, we've been stuck in the can, right, for all these years. So I'm like, I'm going to get out of the can and let's figure out some different ways on making some products and making some food products, man. And so I started out, I was actually a canvasser, man, a core porter. Uh, literally in like 2001, 2002, did that for a few, three or four years. And while I was co-portering, um, I was like the chef for the team. And I was making, I started my first product, I call it a Crunchy Bunch of Granola, man. Mm. So we don't box, but we have a granola that will knock you out, man. And uh, literally, man, we actually, and we was actually selling these products door to door, believe it or not, back then, man. Wow. Uh, so we were literally, so I learned literally how to go to doors and sell food products, get people super excited, have my little slogans you know, peachy peach and, and sensational strawberry granola, man. And we sold bread door to door and all kind of crazy stuff, man. And so, but eventually I got excited about veggie meats. I got, I started missing my, my KFC 20 piece fried chicken, man, mm. with the honey barbecue sauce, man. I, I was missing it, man. So I got really excited about, you know, literally taking, you know, things that I was familiar with that I grew up with. And so I went into the kitchen um, you know, and started just taking different grains, started out with the old fashioned oat burger, you know, so took an oat burger, I turned it into a chicken leg, you know, so typically we make an oat burger, like a burger shape. So I'm like, I'm gonna turn it into a little chicken leg, see how it looks now. And literally, man, from that, that, that was like my aha moment. I was like, if I can turn it into a chicken leg, like, can I like literally start experimenting with type different types of grains, different types of beans, and it became an obsession. I mean, nights and nights, just stand up all night, uh, this experimenting, you know, praying, uh, and I and I re started reading it in our church the philosophy of health foods, and believe it or not, Ellen White spoke a lot about health food manufacturing, and even to the point where she even said a quote that the Holy Spirit would teach us how to make foods without the use of flesh meats and how to use the grains and the beings of the earth, and she had these quotations, man, that I would get super fired up about, and I believed them, and uh, and I I tell you, man, after about four years of development. I created my own proprietary process on how to texturize different types of beans and grains to a meat-like texture. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so it was an amazing experience. And so when I figured this out, you know, this actual like technique and how to get to this texture uh, process of, uh, of these foods. And, and when I say process, it's not like it's super heavily processed. You know, I'm not a scientist. So I'm not doing some crazy, like, you know, super high end technology. Um, but at the same time, I'm using natural ingredients, natural processes to get to this really great texture. Uh, but it's really healthy, it's, you know, and it's in, at the same point. Uh, but I got excited, man, about starting a restaurant. You know, and I really saw that like a restaurant was like a perfect solution of like featuring these healthy foods, but also uh, a very practical way of reaching the community. You know, I was I had a very mission mindset. So I wanted to use a restaurant as a way as we kind of coined the term of a center of influence, you know, where you can use it as a way to do cooking classes and education, but also create great food for people, man. And um, so I got super excited, so excited that I literally said, man, I'm going to take $100,000 in credit cards and start my restaurant. <laughs> so, you know, um, didn't have a lot of business sense, to be very honest with you, man. Uh, my passion and my excitement, my faith and fervor in God, man, just took me to the place where I figured that if I got a $100,000 in credit cards uh, with a one-year, a 0% interest rate, um, then after that, man, I was going to break even in like, you know, eight months, pay it all back in like 12 months, 
and I would be ready to go, man, to start this amazing business for God, man. But, you know, what I learned, man, is that uh, in that whole situation, you know, you, you still got to be practical, right? <laughs> so looking back on it, was it the best decision? You know, um, I had I filed bankruptcy, uh, to be honest with you. Um, very painful. Uh, mm-hmm. I was only 26. I uh, had a lot of other stuff going on at the time, man, that I had already had got some debt on so i didn't have a good understanding of debt and 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 this you know you know just really having too much leverage on our, on my company didn't have a lot of sense on a lot of business principles um but the, you know I, I don't i don't negate the 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 zeal if that makes sense you know zeal without knowledge i mean i had the zeal and that zeal and that passion was the foundation um and all i really needed was now to couple that zeal with some knowledge and so i had to go through some very painful mistakes and so i, I always say to any entrepreneur man is that it's, it's great to be excited. It's great to be passionate. Um, but passion can sometimes lead, lead, lead to blindness, you know, or sometimes also your, your passion can also lead you to not actually take good counsel. Um, and so I kind of was kind of headstrong on certain ideas. And, and so, you know, I made mistakes, man, that, you know, obviously had impacts. You know, I finally hit my, I just literally hit the 10 year mark of bankruptcy. So I'm actually free and clear of bankruptcy right. after 10 years, right? So, Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you know, so that was, that was pretty cool, man. Um, so you know, but, it, you know, from, from that setback and, and that bankruptcy, you know, and your passion to still try to venture into the restaurant world. How, how did that all happen? Tell me that story. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we started the restaurant in Arkansas. I mean, I'm sorry. This is in uh, my hometown, Prince Frederick, Maryland, where I grew up at. A little country town that, again, meat-eating town, brought the food to that community. Um, I didn't know much about the restaurant industry. It was my first time. Um, but it was really kind of like, you know, me, I like, I like to compare it to getting like a bachelor's degree. You know, learning by doing. I learned all the mistakes in the finance side. But I also realized that people love the food. Like, people was like, man, this is a great product. It was like 2008, so it was kind of before its time, you mm-hmm. know, so, but it was my first iterations of the concept. Um, so I literally, the restaurant, obviously, financially didn't make the most sense. It was too much leverage, you know, for, with debt. And so it, it ended up having to, to shut down, to be honest with you. Um, good news, I got married right after I shut down the restaurant went bankrupt. So my wife was like, I'm gonna take this guy that's broke, he didn't got no money, but I still love him. And she had a lot of, you know, a lot of faith in me still, right? So that was a blessing. So I moved, I moved to Arkansas, man, of all places. I went to Arkansas. I actually amazingly became a lay pastor out there. And I actually started a restaurant again in Arkansas, uh, which was a crazy experience because here, this is like me now getting a master's degree. Uh, I was able to couple ministry like at a very high level. Here I'm a pastor of a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I also have a restaurant in the community. So now I was able to really see the synergy between how a restaurant can be a powerful witnessing tool um, for evangelism, for ministry, and also just providing a great service of healthy food for the community. Mm-hmm. And I also became more skilled, like learning how to use different, you know, better, kind of knowing more knowledge in the industry. So I learned how to, you know, really systems in the restaurant, kind of systemize my processes, you know, really got more astute on the financial side. This time it was like, I did the exact opposite. I literally spent like $20,000 and I uh, made another partner. So we didn't spend hardly any money this time. And we bootstrapped the whole concept we didn't really lose money, but we didn't really make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like 2012. Um, so veganism still is like way before its time. I'm in Arkansas. I'm like 10 minutes from the headquarters of Tyson's Food. Like, so you can imagine this type of like country town. Wow. So still before its time, people are still like 
excited about the food. Like, man, this stuff is amazing. You know, people got baptized as a result of us doing the work in the community. So that was pretty amazing. Um, really started the connections between, again, the, the church and how to utilize that in connection with the restaurant. So it was an exciting experience. But what happened, man, uh, Northern California Conference of uh, Seven Adventists got super excited about what we were doing. And they was like, won't you start this restaurant in Oakland? Um, so I got some really uh, got a lot of excitement of like, hey, bring this concept to an urban place, an urban center, mm. um, which was Oakland, California. And amazingly, man, God just took all the experiences of the past and just kind of now it's like I'm getting my doctor's degree, if you want to call it, in this next model. And this time, I mean, I was super careful. The church, like before, every other restaurant before I was my own financing. This time the church actually invested, which was like. Never been done, almost. I won't say never been done, but it was one of the very few times the Adventist church actually invested into an actual restaurant. You know, they've done a lot of other things, but they've actually, they actually funded all the way from the World Church to the NAD, to the Union, um, to the local, you know, conference. You know, we got funding from all those resources, and we launched a successful vegan restaurant in Oakland. Uh, we started that in 2016. We feature now, you know, I, again, we kept it. I was all this time I'm iterating the product as well, you know, because I've kept improving on the plant based products that I started with. Wait, you know, so, so you, now we're refining the the, the actual uh, meat and so forth. And exactly over time, there you go. Not so every time, side, but the, the actual food itself. Yeah, the food, the, the especially the meat products, because, and I'm also perfecting the like the, the scaling of the products. So over this eight-year process from the first restaurant in 2008 all the way to now 2016, this, this third restaurant, I'm perfecting the process on how to make the meats, on the scaling of the meats, and even all my other recipes, my, you know, the mac and cheese and the soul food greens and the Philly cheesesteak sandwich, you know, and all along the way, I'm creating all these slogans, like, looks like chicken, tastes like chicken, but guess what? It ain't chicken, crispy on the outside and white in the middle. Oh, it's delicious. And so I'm literally, man, just, you know, developing, you know, these slogans, you know, I got songs, you know, that I'm singing. I'm doing bunches of cooking classes all around the country at this point. So everything is kind of synergizing into this, you know, this, this iterating to this beautiful, like, picture of this concept, man, that it exploded when we came to Oakland, man. Um, we, we come in Oakland, and, I mean, I literally had dreams just over the years of, like, seeing, like, a line wrapped around the door, like, when we had a grand opening. And I tell you, man, when we, we opened the restaurant in Oakland, we had a line, dude, that was literally like maybe 200 people long, man. Um, just waiting to like, just like, just get excited about, you know, eating our food, man. And from the time we opened, I mean, the community was just super excited to the point in 2017, after the year after we opened, we got a, a local hero award in Oakland as, you know, providing a healthy food product um, in our community and it's providing uh, something better, you know, to our neighborhood, man. And uh, we were, and we started that restaurant as it was again as partnership with the Seven Adventist Church. Um, so we focused on doing cooking classes to meet the need of the community, and we had an amazing menu. And we coupled that with amazing customer service, which was again the foundation. Um, we we believe that again, cus you know, friends first and customers second. Um, and again, man, you know, since we started these restaurants, man, this restaurant in Oakland, we've gotten over a thousand reviews, ninety five percent five star. Um, last month, amazing, we had like our best month in the company history. Uh, we literally had almost a $10,000 profit, which was amazing. And we're only open four days a week. And that's the crazy thing about it. We're open Monday through Thursday. So it's like, it's truly a nonprofit concept. 
and we're open limited hours, Monday through Thursday, and we had a $10,000 profit. So I don't know, and this is on COVID. So that's how crazy, uh, you know, to seeing the, the years of this, the pain, the struggle, you know, but really I just say the patience and, you know, being a student in your craft, you know, again, starting that first restaurant, not having a lot of business sense, learning from that experience, bootstrapping the second restaurant, creating the systems throughout the process, and then third restaurant, really kind of mastering the craft, you know, really understanding the psyche of the customer to putting out a great product and perfecting the model. And that's kind of where we are right now. Mm. You know, we've really got something that's really special mm. that we want to scale across the country, man. So from there, did you say to yourself, hey, I want a, a, a double PhD now. I want another PhD. And well, I mean, what what sparked you? And you were refining that that the veggie meat that, that you had, right? Exactly. I mean, and all of a sudden, take take me to how you finally manufacture the product and, and what what did you do with Whole Foods? Did you say, hey, one day I want to get in there? Well, what crazy. So, yeah, so I was iterating. So kind of over the years, I always had this dream of going into stores. Um, didn't really have this understanding again in the wherewithal financially to do it. But uh, when I was in Arkansas, you know, I was close to the headquarters of Walmart. And being in that area close to like literally like 10 minutes from Walmart's headquarters, I got a lot of ex lot of people that I met that was like doing packaging and like, you know, you know, putting products in bags and like, you know, really kind of getting that whole. So I got a lot of understanding while I was in Arkansas, like for a couple of years and understanding the packaging process. When I came to Oakland, my focus was solely the restaurant, but our product was doing so well. And the customers was like, man, you got to get this thing in the stores. So I ended up going to this conference called Food Funded. And amazing, uh, there's like this conference in, in, in Oakland, in San Francisco area, actually San Francisco. Um, and this is, you know, I'm in the, the tech center of the world. You know, I'm in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, a lot of innovations happening. Um, and I just went to this, this conference and I'm the Whole Foods buyer was there. And I always got a 30 second elevator pitch. And when I met the buyer, you know, I was like, this is my moment. And I was like, his name was uh, Pat. I was like, what's up, you know, Mr. Patrick? He had, a, he had his name on. I'm like, my name is Chef Chu. And as I always say, go on and give you something to chew on. I said, I got chicken that looks like chicken, tastes like chicken, but guess what? It ain't chicken. It's crispy on the outside. It's white in the middle. Oh, it's delicious. And so he was like, okay, this guy is talking all this smack about his product. He was like, if you think it's that good, come to my office at, Whole, at the Whole Foods headquarters and let me taste it. And so literally two weeks later, man, I literally, I already had developed the package starting up. I started like three years ago, you know, prior to that developing the package, I had just got it completed at that point, the final, like, you know, prototype, got up, got the prototypes made and we literally two weeks later, I'm at the headquarters of Whole Foods doing a demo. Wow. And I'm just, I'm going all in, man. I'm like, literally got the fried chicken, got the barbecue, the barbecue chicken. I got my shredded steak, my shredded chicken. And he's like super excited about the products. He's like, man, we got to bring this product into a uh, Whole Foods. And it became like this, like this, this, this marriage with this guy, man. And he got super excited. And I mean, and since then, I mean, he's been one of our biggest advocates. I mean, now we're in Whole Foods, we're in 50 stores. We're not nationwide yet. We're focused primarily in Northern Cal. Mm. Uh, we're selling all up the West Coast and other stores. And we're pretty much starting to grow pretty quickly. Um, I quickly got a, a micro loan for like 50,000 to get started. Um, got a, like, and I got an additional micro loan for another 50,000. So that hundred thousand dollars leveraged me to be able to, uh, get my small little manufacturing facility. Mm -hmm. And from there we, we got, you know, the building, we got the building, we got the, got the few pieces of equipment. And then we finally launched in the market 
And once we launched in the market, the product like went insane. I mean, it was like off the gate. People was just like buying this product. And we ended up saying, I started learning now, get, I got some amazing mentors. Um, they, they began to really help me to understand the fundraising process. Um, and so over literally over since we launched and we actually launched the market in 2019, August um, of 2019. So we've been in operation for about nine months, distant stores. We're already at a million dollars in revenue uh, in our business. Um, and we've raised close to a million dollars already in our, in our business between debt and equity. Um, and this has been an amazing journey uh, to see God just take, I mean, this little, this little product, you know, and this, this faith that I had, man. Um, and he just started to grow that thing, man. And then obviously the phenomenon of beyond and impossible hits at the same time as well. Like you said, the spaces went crazy. You know, you saw like, again, the 13, 14 billion dollar valuation with uh, beyond at its height and IPO, you know, and impossible, you know, with all the stuff they're doing. And so all of that hype became really amazing. But, you know, what's so crazy is that as an Adventist church, we had this message over 120 years ago. It wasn't like we just kind of woke up and like, you know, this stuff like plant-based foods is like this phenomenon. It's like for us, like we was told like, hey, this is going to be the future in 1880. <laughs> so, you know, and and, I, and, I, and it was, that's so important, I believe, because as a church, we, we have to recognize, man, we got so much gems in our, in our, in our culture um, that we take for granted. And now we're seeing, you know, people becoming billionaires off of the, the 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 culture that at times we at times say ah you know whatever that's not really that big of a deal and people are literally living these things and creating products and brands and and, and the world is really coming to fall in love with it mm -hmm. um, and so you know for me man I, I say that you know it's been a, a a fast journey but not really that fast because I started in two thousand one. Um, but in recent, it was like everything that I started since 2004, 2005 with the first development of the product, this kind of like mushroom is starting to like really explode. Um, but the craft really was being built over that 12, 13, 14 year period. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's hard to realize that those failures, those pains that you go through, that God is building you for, you know, this moment. And, yeah, I, and yeah. for me, I always say opportunity meets destiny, man. And that's kind of how it happened, you know, with the brand and the product, you know. And so, yeah, we're doing it, man. Better chew, man. Better texture, better taste, better chew. That's our brand. So, and, uh, yeah. Where do you, it sounds like, it sounds like many people see you as, hey, uh, we just broke our, our first million dollars in revenue and so forth. But it sounds like you said to me, hey, that was years in the making. That was just overnight success, right? I mean, after, like you said, man, it's, 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 it's like, again, I started literally in my mother's kitchen in 2004, uh, developing this product, not knowing that in 2020, <laughs> this would be one of the fastest growing, you know, spaces in the food industry. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't go into it with that mindset, but I went into it with a spirit of, 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 of humble, of humbleness and a spirit to want to learn. And I was hungry to learn. And I think that's really the attitude that any person coming into any industry, when you're hungry and you want to learn, you know, and you really ask God to teach, you know, the Holy Spirit is, you know, God says he would teach us all things, man, and bring everything into our remembrance. And I just believe that God was, you know, was leading and God also brings people into our path um, that would really support us to help us to fulfill the calling that he's put upon our lives, man. So for me, it was a miracle, man, a miracle story, you know. Share share with me one of your stories where uh, God led someone in your path so that you could increase their knowledge and wisdom. Absolutely, man. You know, 
one thing that's amazing, I always tell entrepreneurs, man, is that you'd be amazed in every local city, well, not every local city, but a lot of cities, um, they have economic development programs um, and even they have microloans. Um, and a lot of those microloans, economic development programs, they actually have mentors that come along with that. Um, so early on, I took this, I took this program called, it was called ICA, uh, Fun Good Jobs. And this was like an eight-week cohort where they had like entrepreneurs all around the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. It's about a hundred of us. And we had did this eight week class. There was one young lady in there named Nina Robinson, man. And she was just phenomenal. Uh, she really just took me under her wing and began to really kind of nurture and mentor to the point where she introduced me to my lead investor. Um, she actually connected me to a group um, called Homestake Venture Partners that actually really kind of adopted me, man, as being like their, one of their champion like projects, man, that it was going to really help our business to not just raise money, but raise money in a way that we can stay in control of our, of our business and teach. It, it really taught me the science of ownership. You know, because in our space, you thought you like you say, you talk about how how does a company get to a thirteen billion dollar valuation, you know, and then when you really dig into the weeds of that, um, you know, that founder that created that business and founded that company, his model, his model, which is not a bad model, was that I'm going to create a fifteen billion dollar business and I'm probably going to end up owning maybe two percent of this, but I'm going to sell it or IPO at ten billion, and two percent of ten billion is you know two hundred million, so that's his big exit for him. That was his scenario. But the reality is people don't recognize a lot of those really fast growth companies, 95% fail, they crash and burn. Mm -hmm. um, and so we didn't want to take that type of risk. Um, we wanted to take a business model that was a lot more patient. I'm like, I've been doing this already for 14 years. So I don't need to like rush and have hit a home run tomorrow. So rather than growing in such a way of this super high scale, uh, we decided to go about it in a more patient way. And that's what the mentorship helped me to see. We focused on growing a healthy bottom line profit with, with sustainable growth because um, people don't recognize, you know, if I go nationwide tomorrow, that could be my, that could be my worst decision because especially if I got to burn through a bunch of cash because my margins aren't healthy. Mm -hmm. So meaning if, if my, my cost to, to produce is too expensive, I'm going to lose a lot of money the faster I grow. So rather than raising, you know, millions of dollars and, and diluting my, my own value and my company, my ownership, I rather my my personal conviction and what I've learned is I'm growing slower and I'm getting my margins healthier. You know, while I do that, I don't have to lose as much ownership in the process, you know, as I get equity and so forth. And then the more the better you are financially healthier you are, the easier it is to get loans and stuff like that from banks or other private investors. Um, so that's, you know, they was really instrumental in teaching that. Yeah. Great. So where do you see yourself? You know, I know that you, you, one of your core values is to focus on sustainability, making sure that we scale, but at the same time, keep it consistent, right? Yes. Uh, making sure the company is solid. So then what, what's your vision for the next year? What's your vision for the next five years? What, how fast do you want to scale it and where do you want to take it? Absolutely, man. So right now, our main focus in our company right now and in, in the manufacturing side is to get, we really we're fighting in the next three to six months to be profitable. That's our first major milestone is to get our margins at a place where it's just amazingly this like at a 15, 20 percent bottom line margin. I mean, far as profit, you know, with the spot of 50 to 60 percent you know, gross margin. So what that simply means not to go through the weeds of that is that our first goal is sustainability, a healthy business from that. It's all about scaling sustainably. And what that means is that 
let's say Walmart comes tomorrow and said, we're going to put you in 4,000 stores. I probably would say no to that, as crazy as that sounds, um, because that growth would probably be like, it would the, the amount of money it would take me to scale that would probably be about $20 million. And I don't want to dilute myself that fast. So now it's about taking on, since, I'm, since I have a profitable business, I can be very uh, selective on which opportunities I take and grow very, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, very skillfully. Um, so with our model, man, we're hoping to create a business model in the next five to seven years. That's about 15 to 20 million in revenue hmm. and have a 20% net profit at the bottom line. You know, so people tell me, would I rather have the Beyond Meat where I'm at, you know, 100 million, 200 million in revenue, you know, 300 million in revenue, and I'm literally not profitable? Or would I rather have a $20 million business that's actually has a 20% net net profit, you know, where I'm literally, you know, profiting $4 million a year, you know, so which one would you rather have, you know, so, you know, it is argument on both sides, you know, but I chose the path of growing that 10 to $20 million business with that 20% net profit at the bottom line and growing a healthy company all the way through its core, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's, that's our focus, man. And, um, you know, that story for us is, is, is sustainable. It's exciting. Um, you know, I, I own, I would own a lot of that company, you know, in that model. Um, I'm not, I don't have to be diluted down to 5% and I literally have no ownership in my company. I have a board that tells me what to do. So I, I literally create a product and now I work for a product that I created. And I don't want that scenario, Amazing. Um, you know, so that's kind of what we're looking at in the next, you know, five to seven years of, of our model to building something mm-hmm. of that nature. Amazing. Yeah. So I want to take a, a transition right here, uh, really quick. And, you know, we're, we're going to be praying for you. We're going to be cheering for you. Because man, when you win, the whole entire Adventist Church wins. Amen. So we're 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 right beside you on that. Uh, I want to transition into, you know, the thought of ministry and business. Yeah. A lot of business people, a lot of businessmen, uh, don't know that they want to keep business and ministry separate, right? Because or they don't know how how to, how to make that happen. But yeah. you've always been a ministry focused guy. So what yeah. what, what are What's your philosophy and what are some of the things that you've incorporated inside your business? Absolutely, man. You know, when you look at the ministry of Christ, you know, Christ says that he went about teaching, healing, uh, preaching. But, uh, you know, most of Christ's ministry was, was more of providing solutions. You know, he came to lift the, lift the burdens of, of those that were weary, those that were in, in bondage. So when I look at, you know, business, business is really a, a model where you're creating a service or a product. Um, where you're lifting the burdens of society, you know, you're literally creating solutions to make impact. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, that is ministry in its truest sense. You know, many times we we think about Christ, you know, or think about ministry as just preaching a sermon, you know, but I read a statement that says, never a man spake as he spake because never a man lived as he lived, you know, and Christ literally spent 30 years in the carpentry shop or whatever, 25 years in, 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 with Joseph, man, and, and, and doing carpentry. So he was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur uh, at his core. And so, you know, that's that was his life, you know, for most of his most, most of his ministry, you know, even though his public ministry was different. But again, his ministry still was in his community, serving his community. You know, he probably created the best furniture you could ever can imagine and utilize that business as a means of, of witnessing and creating relationships. And so, again, I feel I, I want to say that, you know, ministry is not divorced from business. Uh, they really are really, in my opinion, the church of the future will be social enterprises. Um, you think about COVID. When is the last time any of us has gone to a church? Um, so, you know, now we find that 
the businesses that we have actually are the ways that we reach people. Um, these are the things that give us a direct context, especially during these type of situations. We're in a crisis like the pandemic of COVID. Um, and so I would say, man, the church of the future, in my opinion, uh, would be, would look a lot different. You know, social enterprises will become, in my opinion, more of the norm um, than just having buildings that we simply go to once a week, that we utilize once a week rather than six or seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the transition that I believe our church must take. Um, that we have to look at ministry a lot more than just, you know, having a sermon or a pulpit model, um, but really going into a model that's going to make impact. Um, We become leaders in enterprises. We become thought leaders in industries. um, And they recognize that we get our inspiration from God himself and from Christ. I think that's what's going to make an impact. You know, as we share the final message to this world, that's what I believe God is calling us to, man. And so ministry and business go hand in hand. They can't be separated because God himself, he's the one that said, let there be. He was He was the first creator. He was the first inventor. And the last thing I say is a Sabbath rest. When you think about the Sabbath, it says six days shalt thy labor. You know, so the Sabbath is a commemoration of our entrepreneurship, as a commemoration of the work and the creativity and the entrepreneurship that God has given us and everything that God has created is sustainable. You know, so when you think about God's system of building and, and business, he creates things that are sustainable and that last, you know, and so, and they, and they produce, you know, within, within themselves. And so I think you gain a lot just from our Sabbath message. It's actually all about entrepreneurship and creativity and sustainability when you really think about it at its core. So it goes hand in hand, man. And I believe God is calling us to something higher than just, uh, you know, than what we've looked at in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, as the as the company grows, what it sounds like is that you you still want to keep it at the core to be able to share the message. Then, yeah, man. I mean, I mean, right now, man, I'm 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 having the privilege to speak to major corporations, Fortune 500 companies, uh, Fortune 100 companies. I've been able to speak to um, and share, like you know, how I've actually got to where I'm at, and I'm becoming a voice for social justice um, in the food industry. And, you know, and at, at times, man, I mean, people always say, you know, how did, how did this all begin? And, and I have opportunity, man, to give it to God, man, and say, you know, well, you know, I, I got to give credit where credit's due. And so I just believe, man, that um, when you're faithful, you know, God brings the increase. Mm-hmm. You know, our last thing I will say on this point, man, is that it says that I read a statement from Ellen White that said that, you know, when we do a business according to God's plan, God makes himself responsible for the results of that business. Mm-hmm. You know, so we are, and it says we're co-laborers together with God. You know, so when you think about it, man, we are a co-laborer. God is my business partner, man. I don't have to fear when I, I can go into a negotiation when God is really my, 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 my teacher, man, and teaching me how to actually tell, you know, tell the story, how to, how to sell the product or how to get somebody excited about the food that I'm sharing with them. When you got God on your side, man, nothing is impossible, man. And, and that's really the faith that business teaches you. It teaches you how to trust in God with the faith that really is, is, is you know, it's, it's amazing, man, because sometimes you don't always trust them and you get to see what that looks like. And so when you do, you get to see what that looks like as well. Yeah. And so it's, it's a faith journey at its core. But God, I can say, man, it's always, always has been, always been faithful, man. And he's done exceeding abundantly above what I could actually think. Great. Praise God for that. Um, you know, thank you so much for the conversation. I just want to ask you the final question. We have three minutes left, man. There are a lot of young professionals right now. A lot of people, even young, mature, people within the Adventist church that 
really have a passion to to be able to share the gospel or or start a new business, but they feel like they're inadequate. They don't even know where to start, man. Speak to them in, in the next uh, two and a half minutes on on give them uh, some inspiration on your end. Yeah, man. Um, you know what I say, man, is that you know God is the God that. Uh, takes our inefficiencies. He takes, you know, I was a young man that couldn't speak. You know, I stuttered. Um, now and I've, I've spoken before thousands. I mean, not hundreds of thousands, but literally thousands, tens of thousands at times. Uh, but God takes our inefficiencies, man. And God takes those things. And if we're humble, if we're teachable, God can work with that and, and literally develop you into something pretty amazing. And so like, again, I, I will always say, man, is that, you know, don't be afraid to fail. I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned over the years, man, is that the failure became the greatest asset. Um, the failure, I actually make money right now on failures. <laughs> I mean, I do consulting on my failures, man. I make literally, I make good money on consulting at times off my failures. So it's like the failures actually give you the story. They give you the the way when you talk to people like, man, yeah, I did that and it didn't work and that, but I know how to do it. I, I actually know what to do. And so remember, failure is only a, a, neck, a stepping stone to a solution. And so again, uh, not don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid, you know, to take a small risk. You know, don't do what I did. Don't spend a hundred thousand on credit cards. Um, but yeah, but you know, maybe you got to spend a thousand on a credit card. I mean, hey, that you know, that's not going to break your bank. You can probably pay that off. Um, but don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to take some risks. But you know, always I say I say this. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures in Job. It says, "Though thy beginning was small." Yet in thy latter end, thou shalt greatly increase. So don't be afraid to start small. And God will take the small and he will develop that small into something great. It might not happen in a day. It might not happen in a month. It might not happen in a year. For me, it's been almost 15, going on 20. But hey, though thy beginning was small, yet in thy latter end, thou shalt greatly increase. I mean, I'm 37 years old. If I can be, a, I mean, if I make $20 million and I'm 40, I mean, hey, I mean, that ain't bad. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the point is, is that, you know, regardless, even if you're 40 years old right now and you got to start today, if you're 60, you got to start today. It doesn't matter when the date is or when the time is. Just start and let God bring the increase and God will be faithful to fulfill his word in your life. And so I just want to encourage you guys, man, is that don't give up and believe. And uh, God is the God that will work if you trust in him. And uh, I've seen him do it. I've experienced it. And I know it's a true statement because, I, again, I'm living it today right now. Mm. Well, thank you so much, brother. Hopefully people from all around the world can get that experience and that uh, in inspiration so that, man, we can finish the work and that we can bring healing to the nations through business. Amen. Take Amen. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Well, that concludes our uh, interview for today. Is there an Instagram handle that people can follow you at? Yeah, Absolutely, man. I'm most uh, uh, Better Chew, Instagram at Better Chew, and also The Veg Hub. So Better Chew is our manufacturing, our product, and also The Veg Hub is the restaurant. You know, definitely just continue. We're always posting on those two platforms. Um, can, you know, see what we're doing on a regular basis, man, having fun in the community. Food's our uh, session for today. And make sure you follow Chef Chew on uh, Instagram. Thank you, everybody. All right, wow, that was an incredible interview. Thank you, John, thank you, Chef Chu. You've certainly given me, Chef Chu, something to chew on. I think, right? Yeah. Something to chew on? <laughs> I'm gonna be chewing on that interview for a long time. And I'm actually, I'm so totally serious. That was, a, I didn't even realize the 40 minutes went by. 
Um, so many points that, that were just powerful. Uh, mm. Rebecca, Christina, one of the things that really stood out to me from his story and that he said over and over, I noticed, he said, keep going. No matter what, you know, obstacles come in your way, keep going. He had three restaurants, right? He started one, then had to start another one, and, and finally a third one that, that became successful. So no matter what obstacles come, keep pressing forward. He said, don't be afraid to fail. Failure can be your greatest asset. Mm. That was yeah. very, um, mm. that was moving for me to hear. Mm -hmm. How about yeah. you guys? You know, the part that really stuck out to me was when he mentioned that no matter where we are, you know, our failures, the things that sometimes we may not be proud of, God can use us in humility uh, before him. If we put all our weaknesses up to him, he can make something beautiful out of it. He Amen. can help us grow and he can help us become a better version of who created, who he created us to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Nice. And you know what I really appreciated from his message is how he said, ministry and mm. business mm. are one. Yes. They're not two separate things or two separate paths to go, but they can be brought together. First, we're meeting the needs or finding the needs in the local community around us, meeting those, but also sharing the gospel, bringing Jesus in and, and tapping into the audience to show this is your true need underneath. That's right. And yeah. you know, when I, when I went into uh, the Veg Hub in Oakland, I remember feeling that way. Like feeling like I was just accepted as I walked into that restaurant and also feeling like I really loved the food. It gave me something really good to chew on. Um, That's so awesome. But, you know, it's funny. I live in the Bay. I used to live in the Bay. I still haven't been to the restaurant, so we got to we gotta okay, go. We'll go. go. All right, we'll go. After this. All right, but you guys Tonight? should try it. All right, we're going to go. So, and he said, friends first, customers second. In other words, make friends with your customers. I mean, that's, mm. that's, the, that's what Jesus did. You know, I think when I think of Chef Chu, he really is, he really exemplifies what Christ would be if he was a mm. businessman. And so um, I want to thank you, Chef Chu, for that wonderful interview. And guys, here's the, here's the thing I want to tell you. You actually have an opportunity to interact with Chef Chu and Seth Hill and Felicia, That's right. our speakers mm -hmm. today, because in just about, I think about an hour's time, mm -hmm. roughly, we're going to have a live speaker panel. And so you can actually submit questions for our speakers for that speaker panel. And we'd love to hear from you on what your questions would be. Just text those in, right, to our number. Becca, that number is? Oh boy. 94,000. 94,000. ASIYP 94,000. No, 90, 94,000, right. 94,000, yeah. right. 94,000. Mm -hmm. And so text that in. Text those uh, questions you have for our speakers to, to 94,000. We would love to hear from you. And you can also comment on the ASI Minute in the comment section underneath the video there that you're watching. You can comment there as well. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.